I don't think you can watch the Olympics and not wonder what it would feel like to have your name announced over the loudspeaker and for you to be called up to that top perch on the winner's stand and receive the gold medal. If, if you've watched the Olympics at all in your life, I, I, I pretty much, I think it's safe to say, we've, we've imagined what that would be like. Now, I have not been able to catch a lot of the Olympics, the 2016 Rio Games so far, but I've caught a little bit of them. And we've seen some excellent gold medal winners for the USA. Amen? We've had Simone Biles win the women's individual all-around in gymnastics. We've had Simone Manuel win the 100-meter freestyle in swimming. There's something about that name, Simone. Amen? (laughs) Which is the female version of the Apostle Peter's former name, Simon. We've had Anthony Irvin win gold in the same event that he did 16 years ago in the 50-meter freestyle in swimming. We've had Katie Ledecky. Oh, wow. Awesome. She's won multiple golds, including, and I did catch this race, the women's 800-meter freestyle, and she won it in world record time and a full 11 seconds ahead of the silver medalist. It was incredible. And of course, there's Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, who is now the winningest Olympic competitor of all time with 22 gold medals to date and 27 total medals and counting. And to top it all off, he broke a 2,168-year-old record set by an ancient Greek athlete, Leonidas of Rhodes, in 152 B.C. with his 12th individual Olympic title. Can you imagine winning a gold medal at the Olympics? Can you imagine breaking a 2,168-year-old record? Amazing. Amazing. Interestingly for the Christian, what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago has enabled and guaranteed men, women, and children everywhere the promise of being called up to the winner's stand to receive the prize of heaven. Paul put it this way to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? Now the imagery Paul used here in this particular verse of Scripture is for Christians to press forward toward being called up, literally, to the winner's stand, the upward call, and the imagery that he is putting across here in the book of Philippians, particularly right here in these verses, is that imagery of the Olympic winner's stand. 
And we're to press forward in God, to press forward, forgetting those things which are behind us and pressing forward toward the goal for the prize of what? The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, the upward call. That time when God is going to call your name and he's going to call you up to the winner's stand to receive the crown of life. Amen? Wow. The Christian will receive that upward call. Christian, your heavenly prize has been guaranteed. The admonition for you tonight is that we must advance towards it. Amen? We must, as God's people, go for the gold. We must go for the gold. Now, Paul told the Philippians to forget what is behind and to run for the prize. There is now a famous picture that I believe completely sums up this idea of this scripture. Forgetting those things that are behind and going for the prize. It's a picture from earlier this week at the Olympics. And it's a picture of Michael Phelps going for the gold and just forgetting those things which were behind him and pressing on towards the goal, towards the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And this is basically what the Apostle Peter tells us as he continues in his second epistle, in this second epistle of Peter. We've got to keep moving forward, number one. we If we do, we'll experience fruitfulness. And number three, and yes, there is a prize. There is a prize. Amen? So let's look at this tonight. Keep moving forward as we go for the goal. Let's pick it up. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. It says this. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Peter says here, but also for this very reason. But also for this very reason. It could say, in light of this. Or therefore, in light of all this. For what reason and in light of what? And what should we do? In light of the fact that we have, as he's already stated, we have been given a like precious faith. This is who we address the letter to, to all those of like precious faith. And also, we've been given everything that we need for life and godliness. So we've been, we have a like precious faith. We've been given everything we need for life and godliness. And then Peter tells us what we need to do. So Christian, because you've been given a like precious faith and everything you need for life and godliness, you need to keep moving forward. You need to keep moving forward. And Peter tells us what moving forward as a Christian looks like. This is what we're going to take a look at tonight. This is what it looks like for the Christian to continue to move forward towards the prize, towards that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Peter tells us that we need to move forward and we need to be diligent about it. 
Most things don't get done unless we're diligent about it. Let, let me repeat that. <laughs> Most things don't get done unless we're diligent about them. Amen? And so we need to be diligent. And if the Christian life is worthy of our lives to live for God, then we need to be diligent about it. The first thing we need to do is we need to add to this like precious faith that each and every one of you possess in Christ. We need to add to our faith virtue. Look at that in verse 5. He says, add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge. The word here, virtue, is it's a Greek word. Yep, it, this was written in Greek. Amen. And uh, it's a Greek word. And I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Some of them I try to pronounce. Some of them I just say it was a Greek word. <laughs> it was a Greek word and it means outstanding goodness. Outstanding goodness. It is, it's Christian. You need to add to your faith outstanding goodness. I like that word outstanding. Something that's outstanding stands out. Amen? If it's outstanding, it stands out. And we need to let the goodness of God, we need to have virtue in our life. We need to let the goodness of God be outstanding in our life. It needs to stand out. But we don't stop there. We keep moving forward. So we add to our faith virtue. And virtue, we add knowledge. The word for knowledge here is also a Greek word, and it is the Greek word gnosis. It is one of the more familiar words as you study the, the Bible, and specifically the New Testament Greek. You, you, you have to deal with the word gnosis, this idea of knowledge. It means knowledge. It means being acquainted with, uh, having knowledge of, understanding. It is knowledge of God. It is also knowledge of God's plan. It's knowledge of the gospel. It's knowledge of the Lord. And so we need to know God and we need to be intimate with God and we need to grow in our knowledge of him, in our knowledge of his plan, of our knowledge of the gospel from cover to cover. Amen. We need to have knowledge in our life. Now, people are very much interested in all kinds of stuff. There is so much stuff that you can occupy your mind with. Uh, and we have the internet. And if you don't know things, you can literally just, you know, we go to Google or whatever, Yahoo or what, you know. No, nobody goes to Yahoo. That's why they were just sold. We go to Google and we Google what we want to know. And there's just the internet. And it, it's just, it's filled with, well, you got to be careful with the internet. Amen. Just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true. We need to add to our faith knowledge of God and the truth of God's word and intimacy and, and acquaintance with him. Amen. I'm not putting down any other type of knowledge. There's a lot of great knowledge that comes in handy. Comes in handy to know how to you know, do some electrical work <laughs> comes in. I don't have any idea about that. And, you know, you open it up. It's just a bunch of wires that fall out. I don't know anything about that. 
my, my little sister can actually install a ceiling fan, and I can't do it. So it's incredible. It's incredible. But, there, but there's fulfillment in growing in the knowledge of God. A lot of this other stuff, this quest for knowledge, it might be entertaining for a little while and whatever, but the knowledge of God, knowing God, being acquainted with God, being familiar with his word, having knowledge of his plan, of the gospel. Well, there's, there's something that's, that's fulfilling about that. There's a satisfaction, there's an edification in our lives in the knowledge of God. And so we've got to add to our faith virtue and add to virtue knowledge. And then we've got to add to knowledge, we've got to add self-control. Self-control. And this word in the Greek, it, it means to, to have dominion over the self or something. Literally to have dominion over self. It's an important term. It was an important term amongst the Greek philosophers uh, in philosophical ethics. Socrates regarded it as a cardinal virtue. Aristotle and the Stoics discuss it fully and though subordinate it to other things. But the idea is that a people who freely control all things maintaining freedom in self-restraint. And so it says having dominion over yourself. Do you have dominion over yourself? Of the word self-control, the Greek scholar Kenneth West says that the Greeks used this word self-control to describe someone who was not ruled by the desire for sex. I mean, we, there are some strong desires, some strong things that people give into in their life. And part of having self-control as a believer is actually having dominion over yourself in such a way that you, you, you're not given to just giving into all the time these desires, especially the illicit desires. And oh, how important it is for this day and age. For this day and age where we have the internet and we have, I don't need, you don't need me to tell you. It's all kinds of crazy stuff. There's apps that people use to text and sext and hook up and do all kinds of stuff. But self-control is having that dominion over self. And of course, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's an, it's an adjective of the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Moving forward, we need to add to self-control perseverance. Perseverance is the Greek word uh, hypo, hypomene. And it means this. It means patience. Endurance. It means being able to endure. The root of the word, hypomene, mene, it actually means to stay. 
It literally means to be able to remain, to endure, or to stay. Patience, perseverance. Do you have that ability to stay? Do you have that to stay where? To stay in the race. (laughs) Amen. To stay in the race going for the goal. Not, Not giving up. Not, 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 not moving backwards, not moving side to side, but staying in the race and moving forward in Christ Jesus. Having that ability to remain, to endure, to stay. Now, in running, runners talk about, well, they talk about, and I'm talking about long distance running, they talk about this thing called the wall. You familiar with this? In long distance running, they talk about this wall. And, 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 and when you get into this long distance running, you get to this wall. And what this wall is, is it's a, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's mental and physiological. And because it's, you hit this wall and everything within you wants to quit. You want to quit. You hit this wall and you want to, look, I just want to go lay down in the grass over here. I'm done. But runners also talk about continuing to run through that wall. To run through that wall. And when they run through the wall and they get out on the other side, they get this second wind. This second wind. This renewed strength. And then, boom, they're, 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 they're going and going and going. And it's, it's an incredible thing. And so, really, it's this sense of renewed strength. Now, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 84 that the true worshiper of God, the one who's marching forward to worship the Lord, that we go from strength to strength. Amen? We go from strength to strength. And so, yeah, it's not saying that there might not be those times of tremendous resistance. There, there will be those times of, 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 the, of, of adversaries coming against us. There will be those times of resistance. But for the true worshiper of God, the person who's committed to the long haul, there is this going from strength to strength. And there's keep, keeping going and getting that second wind. Amen? That second wind. And I'm reminded of a, of a song from my youth. It was a Christian band that I've mentioned before, Petra. Any, anybody remember Petra? Anyways, they had a song exactly about this. It was actually called Second Wind. So you can look it up on iTunes. And I have some of the lyrics here, and I thought I'd read the, the bridge of the song and then the chorus. And it, this is what it, said. it says. It says, just when I thought I couldn't run any longer... I got my second wind. Just when I thought I wouldn't be any stronger, I got my second wind. Just when I thought that I would fall into darkness, I got my second wind. Just when I thought that I would fail every test, I got my second wind. I've got my second wind. Spirit's coming again. I've got a new revelation of the King of Kings. I've got my second wind. Spirit's coming again. I've got a new revelation of the King of Kings. And so we have perseverance, this endurance, this ability to stay, this going from strength to strength. Amen? 
And so the question for us is, do you, do you have perseverance? Are you able to endure to the end? It's a, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Amen? It's a marathon, not a sprint. And if you read the letters in Revelation, the seven letters to seven churches by Jesus, every one of them has a promise to the one who overcomes and makes it to the end. Amen? Just go down and read those seven letters and read those seven promises that are there for the overcomer, the person who has perseverance to remain, to stay, to endure in the race, in in the race that we call this walk with the Lord. Amen? So we need to move forward, and we need to add to perseverance. We need to add to perseverance godliness. Amen? Godliness is, it is the Greek word eusebia. That was not pronounced right, but uh, anyways, it means piety or godliness. And it is godliness. It's walking in righteousness. It's walking in godliness. It's, it's piety. There was a pastor in the third century AD named Eusebius, and he was the bishop of Caesarea, and, one, and he was one of the earliest textual critics of the New Testament. And so I guess his name was of this root word, piety or godliness. And it's learning to, to live righteously. We've talked about this a little bit in this first chapter that we're moving on, we're moving forward, we're moving forward in godliness, that we come into life in Christ and that we continue on this path living for God, living and learning to live righteously and godly. Now, there's an issue that I see with Christians. You see, there's some Christians that you, you look and, you know, you're not trying to judge or anything, but you just don't see where's the, where's the evidence of them wanting to, to really do right and love the Lord and, and you know, be a part of the fellowship and, and, and continue on and doing right. And you, and you look and say, what, what's going on? And, and, and let me just throw this out there. This is an idea, okay? But the reason that many people, a reason that many people don't learn to live righteously and learn to walk in godliness is that they have a fear of punishment and not a fear of the Lord. And there's a difference. There's a fear of punishment. There's a fear of, hey, you know, I I, I heard there's a place called hell and I don't want to go there. I mean, I'm in Florida and it's already hot. And I don't want to go there. I saw this cartoon this week. <laughs> it's funny sense of humor type of. Anyways, I was a, I was a fan of the Far Side, Gary Larson. You know, anyways, that type of humor. This wasn't a Far Side, but it was in that vein. And it was God up in heaven's kitchen? Heaven has a kitchen. And um, remember, we talked about that a few weeks ago, and there's a really nice island, and it's got really nice backsplash and everything. And uh, remember, we talked about that? And uh, (laughs) so anyways, God's up in his kitchen, and uh, there's something in the oven, and um, somebody walks into the kitchen and asks God, well, what are you cooking, God? He says, Texas. (laughs) Probably Florida, too. 
But there's a difference. There's a difference between fear of punishment and fear of the Lord. And, and we're, we're really not called to have a fear of punishment. What we're called to is to have a fear of the Lord. That we have a God in our life and, and he's our heavenly father. And yes, he loves us. And yes, he's good to us. And, 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 and all those wonderful things, he pours mercy and grace and he's faithful to, the, to a thousand generations. But, but he's a holy God and he's a righteous God and he's a just God. And he's a God that we need to have this awe and reverence and fear of. Because when we have a fear of the Lord, it's, hey, you know what? I don't want to disappoint the Lord. I love the Lord. I don't want to disappoint my heavenly father. A fear of the Lord. We're told in scripture is the beginning of wisdom, right? the beginning of wisdom and you need to fear the Lord to walk the path of godliness in your life and you know what it's a great thing you start learning about the fear of the Lord and you say well fear of the Lord maybe you're a new Christian maybe you come around the thing and you go fear of the Lord well, I don't fear anything you know I'm a tough guy I'm not, I, I, I was taught to you know I, I don't fear anything I don't, I'll jump off a building you see these guys jumping out of airplanes with no, uh, no, no parachutes and stuff? Do you see this guy? Yeah. Jumping off of mountains and stuff with just these outfits and stuff. I don't know what they're doing. But no, we're not fear. We don't fear anything. It's, 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 it's not like that. It's having an awe and a reverence. And a love for the Lord. And, and, and having that respect and fear for our good, good Father that, that, that we want to honor Him. That we don't want to wrong Him. That we don't want to hurt Him. That we don't want to disappoint our Heavenly Father. And we, and we learn to walk in godliness. Amen? Yes. And we walk in godliness. And God is working on us. Amen? Amen? He's setting us apart. He's sanctifying us. He's teaching us day by day how to live for him and to obey him. Next, we need to add to godliness brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. The word for brotherly kindness, it is the word Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Philadelphia is really two, uh, comes from two root words, phile, which is which was a form of love. The Greeks had four words for love, phile being one of them, Delphus actually being the womb. And so Philadelphia is actually love for those from the same womb. And, um, and so th this is where we get this idea of brotherly love. And it's this kindness. It's kindness one to another. We're, we're growing in kindness. We need to be growing in kindness. We need to do kind things. We need to be kind people. When you look at kindness, kindness is like love in action. You know, years ago, DC Talk wrote this song, Love is a Verb. Amen? It's not just this thing. I love you, you know. I just feel... 
Like, I love you. Love is a verb. <laughs> you know? Right? I mean, that's how it is today. But love is a verb. Loving kindness. God has loving kindness towards us. Amen? We sing it in the songs, in the psalms, his loving kindness. The psalmist says is better than life. His loving kindness is better than life. And so we should have loving kindness ourselves. Amen? And lastly, we need to add to brotherly kindness, love. You have Philadelphia and then you have agape. Amen? You don't stop at Philadelphia. You have agape too. Not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia, brotherly kindness and love. Agape, the agape of God. Agape is this divine love. It's perfect love. It's a selfless love that seeks the highest good of the one being loved. When God told Moses about himself, God declared himself to Moses and he, and he said, I abound in love. I abound in love. If we're filled by the Spirit of God, if we truly have the Spirit of God living with inside of us, then we need to be abounding in love. Amen? If he's, bound, if he's abounding in love and he's in us, then we need to be abounding in love. Agape. We need to have agape for one another. We need to seek the highest good of the one being loved. I was writing the notes out for the message, and I was thinking about 1 Corinthians 13. You read that chapter where it describes this agape of God. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? The Christian, we probably should read that like at least once a week. It wouldn't hurt us. It really probably wouldn't hurt us to break 1 Corinthians 13 out like every Monday morning. You just say, well, we're just going to start the week off we're on a good, good footing here. We're going to remind ourselves we're going to have this calibration, you know, of the love of God, of the agape of God in us. You know, you read through all those things. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not deny delight in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Keeps no record of wrongs. It never fails. Wow, this kind of love, it keeps on going. Amen? You, you think you're, you're running out of love, Right? Well, you need to get, you know, if you're running out of love, you need to get filled with the Spirit. Amen. The, Paul said to, that we need to be being filled with the Spirit. We need to be constantly being filled with the Spirit. And if you feel like, oh, I'm running a little low on love, well, you need to get filled with the, you need to be being filled with the Spirit. And if you're being filled with the Spirit on a regular basis, then you're going to abound in the love of God. You're not going to run low. It's a love of another kind. And so we need to move forward. We need to move forward in our Christian life to go for the gold. Secondly, tonight, we'll experience fruitfulness. Let's pick it up, verse 8. He says this, For if these things are yours and abound, you will, neither, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten 
that he was cleansed from his old sins. Secondly, we'll experience fruitfulness. If you're moving forward in the Lord, if you're going for the goal, if you're adding to your faith all these things and working on this in your life, amen, with the Lord, then you're going to experience fruitfulness in your life. You're going to be a fruitful Christian. Amen? Peter says this. He says, For if these things are yours and abound, then you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have like precious faith, and you've added to it all these things, you've added to it virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly, brotherly kindness, and love, you're going to be fruitful in your life. Amen? Amen. Going to be fruitful in our Christian lives. This spiritual life that we have is going to be fruitful. It's going to be productive. I mean, what a misery to live the Christian life unfruitful and unproductive. What a miserable thing to do, to go through. He says you're not going to be barren or unfruitful. The words barren and unfruitful characterize the lives of many Christians who lack these qualities because they lack in their knowledge of God. In knowing him relationally and increasing fuller and deeper in their knowledge of God, continuing to move forward in the Lord. They just find that place of stagnation. They find that place where they, 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 they lack the endurance to keep moving forward. If you feel barren or unfruitful spiritually, nobody raising any hands, but if you, if you feel barren or unfruitful spiritually, if you're going through a dry season in your walk, the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to tell you to start working on these things in your life. What do you mean? Well, start having outstanding goodness in your life. Start having virtue. Start exercising faith. Start adding patience in your life, endurance. Go for godliness in your life. Work on that. To the degree to which you add these qualities to your life will be to the degree to which you will be fruitful and productive in your knowledge of the Lord. Because we're continuing to go for the Lord, we're continuing to press on towards the Lord in our relationship with him. Staying connected with him. Amen? This is what... Jesus told the disciples in John 15, verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And so if you want to be fruitful and not barren in your spiritual life, you need to abide in the Lord. You need to abide in him. You need to walk with him every day. It's as we abide in Jesus that we are fruitful. Amen? Peter tells us in verse 9, he says that those who do not have these things, those who are not moving forward in Christ, adding these things to their faith, he says they're short-sighted even to blindness. In other words, he says, if we lack these things, it shows that we have eye trouble. What kind of eye trouble do we have? He says, you're short-sighted even to blindness. 
We're short-sighted or nearsighted. Short-sighted, nearsighted, it's the opposite of far-sighted, I guess. Now, I went, years ago, went to the optometrist, found out I had a nearsighted astigmatism. I was short-sighted, nearsighted. I could, I could see up here fine, but I can't read that sign. Can't see the signs on the road. Can't see what street it's coming up, so got to put these on so I can see. Amen? Because I'm, I'm, I'm short-sighted. And then, you know, just recently when you go into, like, I don't know when it is for different people, but somewhere in your 40s, you know, your whole vision thing just goes wacko, you know? And then, you know, you need... You need, like, bifocals, you know, and everyone tried, the doctor tried to talk me into getting bifocals. I said, no, I'm not getting bifocals. Cooler than that. And every night I get in bed to read, and I'm, like, trying to figure out how to read. And I guess they have these things, that, uh, trifocals, progressives, where it's like, you know, you know, Brian Regan, he says, what is it? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Alpha Centauri, you know. <laughs> oh. And so uh, we don't want to be short-sighted. Don't want to be nearsighted. If we don't have these things in our lives, if we haven't added these things to our faith, we're short-sighted, unable to see God fixated on ourselves. That's what it means to be short-sighted. I just can see right here, but I can't see out here to learn how to keep moving forward with the Lord. He says you're short-sighted even to blindness. This makes us virtually blind, showing that we have forgotten that we were cleansed from our sins. Amen? One commentator said this about verse 9. Such a man sees the things of time and fails to discern those of eternity. He sees himself and his fellow man, but not God. This nearsightedness is destructive of a truer Christian experience and therefore makes advance impossible. We've got to have a, a farsightedness if we're going to move forward in God. Amen? Because, like Paul says, we're forgetting those things that are behind and we're pressing on toward the prize, toward the goal, toward the upward call in Christ Jesus. Amen? And thirdly tonight, yes, there is a prize. Yes, there is a prize. Verse 10, he says this, Therefore, brothers, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Lastly tonight, yeah, we need to be reminded that there is a prize. Amen? Peter exhorts Christians to make their calling and election sure. To make your calling and election sure. How can we be sure that God called us and that we are his chosen people and we are elect and we are saved? By doing these things that that Peter's talking about here. By, by possessing the light, precious faith that he's given us. By adding to it virtue and, and perseverance and, and godliness and brotherly kindness and, and love and all these things. By working on this, making our calling and election sure. We've been saved. You've been saved through faith. And it's not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. Amen? God did it. But we move forward in him towards that, that, that prize. We're running for the prize. We're running the race that he's set before us. We're, we're walking this path with God because he's conforming us into the image of his son, Christ Jesus. We're being conformed into the image of Christ. Amen? If we go for gold, if we go for the prize... We're assured of two things. Stability in grace and triumphant entrance into glory. First, stability in grace. He says, if you do these things, you will never stumble. If you do these things, you won't stumble. Now, to stumble, it means this, to stumble. To to stumble against, to collide with, or in the more usual uh, to stumble, to fall, to suffer a reverse in that sense. And, and that's probably the idea here, that you, that you won't suffer a reverse. If you're moving forward, you won't suffer a reverse. Amen? There's a saying that goes like this. If you aren't moving forward, then you're drifting backwards. If, if you're not moving forward, if you don't have a direction where you're moving forward, where you're pressing on towards God, where you're moving on in God, then you're drifting and you're drifting backwards. But if you're, if you're, if you're working, if you're looking at your life and you're making your calling and election sure, you're not saving yourself. You're working with God in that he has done in you and you're adding to your faith all these things. And if you're doing this, you're not going to be drifting. You're going to be moving forward. You're not going to suffer a reversal. Amen? And we've got to keep moving forward. Keep going forward for the upward call to the winner's stand. Amen? And that brings us to our very last little subpoint. Secondly, we'll have a triumphant entrance into glory. This is what Peter says. We'll be given an abundant entrance. Look at that. Verse uh, 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter has already talked about in his first epistle those that were scarcely saved. How can those be scarcely saved? Paul actually talks about those who are saved as though through the fire. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul said this, Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. 
If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through the fire. And there are those that will have an abundant entrance into glory. Amen? Will your entrance into heaven, what will it be like? Amen? Will you enter it uh, saved so as by fire? I'm trying to think, there was another, another one of the apostles. It slips my mind right now. I don't know if it was Jude or James. He talks about those that were literally snatched, snatched from the fire, right? Saved, but to literally, you know. Will you come unrecognized and unknown? Or be welcomed by scores and hundreds to whom you have been the means of blessing and kindness. Loving kindness and mercy and grace. Amen. There was this guy at the, I don't know if you saw this. Like I said, I haven't caught a lot of the Olympics, but I did catch this. There was this guy who was a swimmer. I don't know, I don't know how he made the Olympic team. The guy was like bigger than me. You know, his gut was out to here. You know, look it up on the internet. It was like, it was the ridicule of the Olympics so far. He was, it was like, I don't even know how he got in the pool. He said something about he, you know, got out of shape or something. Look it up. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. God wants, God, God wants to give us an abundant entrance, amen? He, he wants to call us up to the, up to the, to the winner's stand. Amen? So, we got to go for the gold. we got to go for the gold. Let's bring it back to Philippians 3. Philippians 3.13. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen.